Welcome to Profiling Criminal Minds. I'm Dan. And I'm Dr. Redmond. And we're joined today by our very special guest, Breen Fraser, head writer and co-showrunner on Criminal Minds. Oh my God, what am I doing here? Did I lose a bet? What is going on? How did this happen? <laughs> um, for those uh, podcasting, for those listening at home who can't see, uh, I was walking down the street minding my business. I got hit in the back of the, the, back of the head. I woke up in a Walmart parking lot for some reason. I'm like, that seems redundant. Uh, and, and now I'm tied to a chair in Dan and Sheila's basement, and I have like so many criminal lines victims before me, for me, and I have to answer their questions. Uh, but I, I, I am seriously, I am thrilled uh, to be here, and uh, and I, 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 I am the executive producer. Um, and co-showrunner with uh, the fabulous Erica Messer and Chris Barber for Criminal Minds Evolution. Um, and I am just, uh, nothing makes me happier uh, than to listen to the podcast of Profiling Criminal Minds and uh, hearing that you guys think we're doing a better job. <laughs> so <laughs> I feel mission accomplished uh, for that reason alone. Oh, thank you so much for saying that. So just for people who aren't familiar, what is your day-to-day -day like on the show? What do you, like, what is your job in a, when you say you co-show run Criminal Minds? The, the best way I can describe that is to divide it up by the calendar. So um, we start, you know, usually in the spring um, with uh, about a, a writer's room that starts, that, that goes for about 20 weeks. And, you know, we, we, it's just like, you know, you might've seen in other TV shows. We, we sit around, we bat around ideas. Um, we start to settle on one. Um, we take that and we do what's calling, we, we do a process called breaking the episode. And that's where we, we put all the beats up on a whiteboard or a cork board. And, you know, it's, it's just the bullet points of each scene. Um, and then, you know, the writer goes off and writes it. They turn in the outline, they turn in the script. And if we're good, um, in, in the last six weeks of those 20 weeks, production starts and we have about uh, four or five episodes written. Um, once the production train starts, it's the job is kind of like, you keep writing scripts, like you keep laying down, um, you know, railroad ties before the train can catch up with you. Um, so, so we're, you know, we're, 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 you know, writing as fast as we can to stay ahead of the production train. Um, it's a little different now that we are on Paramount Plus because in the old version of the show, the network version of the show, um, the writers stayed on staff for the nine to 10 months that we were in production. Um, now, once those 20 weeks are done, um, because that's all the writers are contracted for in, in a streaming schedule. The writers go away, and the only writers who are left are me, Erica, and Chris. Um, and we have to do, uh, at that point, all of the writers have turned in their scripts, and we have to do any rewriting, which is usually necessitated by, uh, you know, production needs, actor schedules, um, surprises that you don't anticipate. Um, and that's also why uh, we, you know, write or co-write the last few episodes. Um, you know, because those those usually aren't aren't uh, broken and written. You know, when the when the when the writers leave after their twenty weeks are up. Um, so, and then in addition to that, um, you know, once the episode is finished shooting and is in the can, um, Erica, Chris, and I oversee post production um, with Gigi Bannon, who is our post production producer. If you can follow that 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 <laughs> you know line of th those words put together fast, um, and and you know we we weigh in you know on uh, the cuts from, you know, after the director is done. And it's a pretty sweet gig because when you think of the director, you think of the guy locked in the editing room with the editor, you know, making it exactly right. But but we, in the in the chain of command, we actually get to go in and, and recut the director. Um, and and then once the, the picture is locked, then they do all the cool, you know, sweetening of sound and sound effects and, um, and score. Uh, and, you know, we go for to a screening of that. So I'd say 
you know, it, it, it from one episode, I'd say takes two weeks to, 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 uh, you know, to break the episode, uh, three weeks to write it, eight days of prep, eight days of shooting, and then about a month of post. And that's all just to get one 50 minute episode of television done. Um, so it's a lot of work. It's a lot of man hours. <laughs> that's incredible. And of course, you are doing a bunch of those things simultaneously because you'll be on production and post-production on multiple episodes at the same time. That's exactly right. There have been a lot of days when I'll read a script, give notes on it to the writer. I'm sorry, Sheila, did you want to interrupt? No, no, no. Okay, sorry. Um, I'll, 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 uh, I'll read a script, give notes on it to the writer, go to set, um, try to solve some sort of uh, you know uh, problem because they're running behind and, and we have to cut some some stuff to make, to make sure that we get everything shot in the 12 days that we have. And then go home. And when I get home, there's a link to uh, the most recent director's cut. And so I have to watch that and give notes. Um, but, you know, I'm very lucky that I'm also married to another writer producer who gets it. And mm. we're able to juggle real well and make sure that, you know, our kids aren't being raised by screens, um, <laughs> which is which is which is tough. I, 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 some, some days we fight the fight and win. Some days we fight the fight and lose as parents. But 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 for the most part, um, my, my wife gets it. The kids get it. And, um, and and when you're working on a show that you're proud of, um, it's it's definitely worth it. All right, that's fantastic. Now we're going to have to ask the extremely narcissistic question: How did you end up here? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, as so many things do, it all started with the pandemic. Um, so uh, you, you know, I, I think about that time and 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 the the, the way podcasts just skyrocketed. And I think it's because people were desperate for some sort of conversation, some sort of communication with each other. And if you could, even if it's just listening to other people have a funny, enjoyable conversation, that was good enough. And uh, at this time, and I think it was, it was around the end of 2020, maybe 2021, Dan, if I yeah, remember correctly. Around there. Yeah. Um, uh, I was like, I wonder, at the, at the time, there were a bunch of like, like watch the show, watch the TV show recaps yeah. of, of different TV shows. And um, I know, uh, you know, there's, there are a couple for The Office. There was a lot for Star Trek. And mm -hmm. I'm like, I wonder if there's one for Criminal Minds. And there was only one for Criminal Minds, just <laughs> one. And it was yours. So you talk about narcissism. I'm like, I'm going to listen to what they have to say about Mr. Scratch because they must love Mr. Scratch. Everybody loves Mr. Scratch. Uh, it's, the, it's the episode I'm the proudest of. And I started listening to it. And, and my reaction was this. Oh. Oh. Oh, no. And I realized it was a, it was a hate match. <laughs> Um, and I use that term lovingly, it, 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 <laughs> but we have to call it, we have to call yeah. it for what it is. Um, or, or how about an honesty watch? It was an there honest watch of the show. <laughs> um, now, now, while it was hard to listen to, but the, what I could tell was um, you guys knew your business. Like, like you knew, um, you knew what we were trying to do and your criticisms while when I could get through the mocking laughter, um, your criticisms, <laughs> I thought were, were constructively, when I looked at them in a constructive light, were fair. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I did a little digging and I, I found um, uh, the, the Count Bardulon, is that right? Yep, the Count, Count Bardulon, Bardulon Gmail. Yeah. The, yes, the blog and with the email. And I, I reached out and I'm sure it must have been a surprise for you to get an email from me. <laughs> um, Absolutely. But, uh, but I, I, I was curious because I'm always looking for new texts, you know, yeah. and, and when I say texts, I mean literature or books or movies or, you know, anything about the world of profiling uh, because we have a pretty deep bench of literature as you would oh, yeah. expect. Um, and I, I said, did you, do you have anything that you would recommend? And you recommended um, uh, uh, For Your Own Good mm -hmm. um, and another book that I've, I'm afraid I've Against forgotten. Against Our Will. Uh, Against Our Will, yes, thank yeah. you. Um, but you said that 
that for 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 your own good was was especially relevant for um the the, the role that abuse and trauma plays in the develop the development of a child which is a way that we go back to a lot oh, yeah. i'm like i need to get that book and it was it was a great book um so it, you know uh, that sort of started this conversation, and then we stayed in touch as the reboot was uh, getting ready to roll. And um, because of COVID, I couldn't do what I wanted to do, which was have you guys visit. Um, you know, we all TV shows have very strict yeah. COVID protocols. Um, but uh, I, if I couldn't get you guys to visit, if, if I couldn't get you guys to come to the show, I would have the show come to you, um, which is why in episode nine, um, Dan and Sheila uh, got a shout out uh, in the episode. And I was very, very proud that I could, was able to get that, um, not just past our censors, because they don't care, but past uh, our clearance lawyers, because our lawyers are zealous. You know, yeah. you, you can't you can't say, you know, Mickey Mouse, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, and so that's why I very pointedly did not use your last names, because that's how you get past the lawyers um, uh, for legal reasons. It please, was nice also, to please, find also, out. Please don't sue us. Okay. <laughs> I, no, I got to say, I can't speak for Sheila here, but I think it's fair to say that it was an honor to find out that the killer on Criminal Minds is a listener of the podcast. I'm not going to oh, pretend, absolutely. I'm not gonna pretend that's was. not an honor. <laughs> it, it was. I put it on my Facebook page. Elias Voigt listens <laughs> to Profiling Criminal Minds. That makes me so happy that, that he is on. That, that, that he, that he, that he, and... I, I will say I mentioned this uh, dialogue to the cast, to the director, to the DP, to the ADs. So you might get some more people listening. Uh, they're like, <laughs> I got to check out that podcast because they the, in the in the scout in the uh, uh, production van as you're driving, they're scouting different locations. We know that they um, you know talk BS about our scripts. We know we're very we're certain of it that, that they make fun of us the same way you guys do. Okay. Um, so I have a feeling you 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 have a lot of um, uh, support. From people who work on the show. Oh, that's <laughs> that is fantastic to hear. But yeah, no, it was it was quite surreal because I didn't know it was coming, and I get to that scene, and uh, and I'm like, pause. I'm like, did I just hear that right? <laughs> and I rewind it, and it's by the way, uh, this is how I know that you guys are good at your job. You're like, uh, you have condensed like the condensed the feelings of the podcast down to a couple of sentences. But just so it's clear, you're putting it in the mouth of the villain. So, you know, Absolutely. You, don't, you don't have to you don't have to necessarily <laughs> say this is something the show is saying. No, it's something the villain is saying. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Uh, the, the, well, before and it wasn't. Go ahead, see, Sheila, you up. No, I was just going to say, and it wasn't wrong. <laughs> what he seemed to have forgotten, though, is that the BAU always gets their criminal. Yeah. Maybe Whether they're not they great at their job. But they always exactly. catch the guy. <laughs> and, and I think that Voight, what Voight was saying was exactly the type of thing you guys would say. Oh, totally. uh, why is Rossi going into that house without yeah. backup? You know, without you know. Um, but the 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 source of it uh, of wanting to do that. I I worked on this TV show Alias that was created and, and run by J.J. Abrams, who was like a truly great human being. And after Alias, he did a, a movie called Super Eight. And there's a character in there called Breen, and I was in the movie theater when that happened. I was like, what? <laughs> you know, I had that weird out-of-body experience of like, did he just say my name? Because there's not a lot of Breen's. But uh, so, but whenever I get the chance to put a friend's name uh, in, in, in a script, I, I jump at it. Oh, um, and well, we and this was perfect it. for you guys. Oh, no, we, we appreciate it. It's fantastic. Yes. Okay, so you mentioned the pandemic. You mentioned what everybody was doing. Can you walk us through how Criminal Minds, like 
you ended right before the pandemic started. Literally, the last episode of Criminal Minds, two weeks later, we find out everything's shutting down. You know, it was, well, maybe, no, I think it was four weeks later, something like that. It was yeah. right after the show stopped, every the whole world shut down. And everybody started watching Criminal Minds. Because, you know, we were all at home, and it's the best show to binge watch. So my question to you becomes, how did this journey start? Like, how did you go from the show's not on anymore to, okay, we have to bring the show back in two years? I always thought of Criminal Minds as, like, the last procedural dinosaur. You know what I mean? Like, you had CSI, you had NCIS, you had us. And the, the way that our show survived from first run to people watching us on cable to then people my kids age watching it on Netflix, you know, was just, it, it was weird the way the show kept finding these like lives, these like second and third and fourth lives. Mm -hmm. um, so, so then the, the show went off the air because, you know, CBS just wanted to make room for new programming, which is, you know, part of being on a network. Um, and we had a good 15 year run and that was, you know, longer than almost any show gets. I mean, mm -hmm. it, it's crazy how long we had been on the air. And, we thought that that was it. And then in fall, summer or fall of 2020, there was an LA Times article about how popular Criminal Minds was on TikTok. That, that these teen girls yeah. were, were editing together their own montage of their favorite Criminal Minds moments and then putting that on TikTok. And that was exploding, <laughs> which then made CBS go, wait, why did we cancel Criminal Minds again? You know, that's, <laughs> that is so the demographic that they want. They want yeah. those eyeballs desperately. Mm -hmm. um, so they had their first conversation with Erica Messer about bringing the show back um, in late 2020 was, was, when it, was when I started to hear uh, rumblings about it. At that point, it was going to be for CBS All Access, if, you're, mm -hmm. if anybody rem remembers that portal. It was, yeah. it, it, was it, it was like, star yeah, yeah, it, it was Star Trek, star Trek Discovery, I think the good fight and a lot of CBS reruns. Yep. And then and then they closed that down and they came up. They they did Paramount Plus and um, they said we still want you. And this is where it's a little bit inside baseball, but um, the show is a co-production of um, CBS or Viacom and Disney. Mm -hmm. um, so Disney and Viacom, they they had there was a lot of wrangling about who gets what rights. Um, you know, what's being, you know, where is it going to be aired domestically in the, in the United States versus where it's going to be aired internationally. Um, all of your international listeners, including you guys, uh, watch it on Disney Plus. If you're, you know, in the, within the 50 states, you watch it on Paramount Plus. It's, it's all that stuff. It took forever, um, even to the point that when Padgett Brewster was interviewed at one point and they said, what's going on with the Criminal Minds reboot? She said, I think it's dead. And it's because the, 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 all the wrangling over who's going to make how much money in all these different territories just took forever. Mm -hmm. um, and, and this is this is just the normal part of of boring Hollywood business. You know, it, it's, it's, a, it's, I mentioned lawyers earlier, it's a bunch of lawyers in a room hashing it out. So by the time uh, we were ready to roll in spring of 2022, the, the writer's room started in uh, April and the cameras rolled in August. Um, you know, by, by that time, it, it was a very different world. The, the world was coming out of lockdown um, and, and we wanted to write what the passage of time had done to these characters. It just felt like too good of an opportunity to pass up creatively, you know, th that you could really evolve, pardon the pun, the characters um, by showing uh, how the pandemic had affected them all for good and for bad. 
The other thing that really excited Erica that, that she wanted to do when she was thinking about how to bring the show back is, you know, what does the show look like as a streaming version? And, you know, can we curse more? Sure. Can we show more violence? Absolutely. Can we show nudity? If we want to, I suppose it's not really the show's bread and butter. Um, we always, I think, had a handshake agreement with our audience that we were going to take in the dark, we were going to scare you, but we were going to bring you back safely. And we weren't going to do anything that really upset you, that it was a show like Stranger Things in a way that parents could watch with their teenagers. That's kind of like the cutoff, like, like don't show it to your 10 year old, don't show it to your preteen, but when your kid gets to about a teenager, you can watch it with your parents and probably be okay. Mm -hmm. So, so that felt right. But, but what really excited Erica was, oh my gosh, we have so much more time in the streaming world. Mm -hmm. um, as long as the show comes in under 59 minutes and 59 seconds, <laughs> Paramount Plus is happy. And the, the CBS network version of the show was 42 minutes and 26 seconds, I think, with commercials. <laughs> so the difference, if you think about it, just do the math, the difference yeah. between a 42-minute episode versus a potentially 59-minute episode, that's a completely different episode. It's a different mystery. It's a different depth of storytelling. Um, I always said when we were in the writer's room getting started, like, there were so many cuts that I would watch, so many director's cuts that were great, but were three minutes over, and all the spooky mood and atmosphere, you know, of, like, you know, the camera, like, creeping through the scary house, you know, to find the victim tied up, you know, somewhere. You, you had to lose all that and get to the victim tied up somewhere. Yeah. And you just, you lost so much of what you could do with, you know, what is supposed to be, you know, a, a, a somewhat scary show. Um, so, so to be able to put that mood and atmosphere back was great, but really to tell the personal stories and arc them out and not have the characters' issues tied up neatly and wrapped in a bow, which is very much the network model, that mm -hmm. was the thing that really, really, really got us excited. And, and we spent a lot of time um, trying to figure out and arc out, you know, what are those beats? And then kind of going back and being like, okay, that didn't quite work. We got to readjust this way. Um, you know, Will's cancer story would be a good example of that, you know, and, and find a different outcome for those characters. Um, but it was, it was a great journey. And everything really worked out the way it should have when I look back on it. I look back on all those stories that we told over 10 episodes. And I know you guys have only seen nine. Um, <laughs> but I just go, we kind of <laughs> like stuck the landing, even though we didn't quite get there the way we thought we were going to get there. Okay. Which I think, I think leads us pretty organically into the next question, which is, in the history of Criminal Minds, you've had a couple of recurring villains, right? Season two, you had Frank come back once. Right. We had Mr. Yeah. Scratch who would pop up now and again. We had obviously the Reaper who we all love. Right. We had sure. Foyette. Um, but this is the first time you've ever made the villain an integral part of the episodes across an entire season. You're giving him his own scenes. Like, how did the decision to go from an episodic model where you're also doing character arcs to, no, we're going to make the villain an arc over the whole season too? How did you decide on that? That was all Erica. She wanted to do that because she felt that the, the extended length of the episodes would allow for that story. And when you look at the other serialized bad guys, um, you, you understand who they are. Um, maybe you sympathize with them a little bit, but you don't really go home with them. And that's what Erica wanted to do with, with the Elias Boyd character. She, she wanted to say, this was a character who is 
from just from a body count standpoint is is the worst of the worst you know i don't think you know we we have seen maybe killers who had had higher body counts but 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 this is about as bad as it gets um and yet he has a wife and two girls at home and seemingly loves them is a good husband and father to them how are you able to balance that how is he able to balance that how as an audience are you able to hold those two ideas in your mind at the same time um and that's when when she hit on that we felt like that's really interesting that that is what we're able to do with the serialized villain that we've never really been able to do before um so it, it was it was always there from jump um as you guys you know correctly picked out uh you know um uh uh, Israel Keys um, was the model uh, for 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 him. Um, there's a great um, uh, podcast called uh, True Crime BS, um, mm-hmm. which is uh, you know a very almost atomic deep dive into every detail of, of his life. Um, and and then we also looked at the the serial killers who were able to compartmentalize, like Green River and BTK, who were married mm-hmm. and had kids. Um, and and we sort of combined those two to come up with this character um, who was in his own way. Uh, tortured and tormented um so that when episode six came around you did feel like i hate this guy but i also feel bad for him um and i I think that that continues you know all the way up to to the very end um so that's that's really where that came from it it was it was always there from jump um and it's it's it was it was our probably our greatest challenge because you had to stop the investigation and go to these scenes that were kind of islands in a way you know what I mean? Like, like, the, you know, you, and, and, and so in order for that to happen, you had to make sure you had a really good cast and they had each episode that you cut away to them, that, that they, you had a story that was worth cutting away from, um, you know, two girls who are trapped in vents together, mm. you know, um, in, in order to see, oh, wait, Voight's not doing so well. Voight's starting to uh, de- decompartmentalize, uh, sorry, uh, decompensate, excuse me. Voight's starting <laughs> yeah. to decompensate and, 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 and uh, and you know, and, and uh, fantasize about shooting his family. You know, that's the type of story that balance that we had to find with each episode. Mm-hmm. And that brings the question, since you mentioned it, uh, why did you go with evolution as the title? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so th- we were happy with Criminal Minds. We we were right. happy with just like Criminal Minds. Like we're back, baby. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but but Paramount Plus really wanted us to have a a a a a. a, a uh, a, a post colon, um, you know, addition. Um, so we submitted a list, they gave us a list, nobody was happy. Um, and evolution was sort of like, oh, that's sort of interesting because, you know, if, if you think about the idea of, you know, a mind that can evolve, um, you know, it, it sort of felt right. And and I would say it's basically a, a marketing issue so that Paramount Plus can put, um, you know, billboards up and magazine articles and internet splash pages to say, this is a little different. And uh, if you haven't, you know, if you haven't watched for the previous uh, 15 years, that's okay. You can jump on at this point and still have a satisfying viewing experience. Um, to me, it's still just Criminal Minds. You know, it's it's that cast, it's those sets, you know, it, 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 it's, to me, it's just, it's still home. Uh, okay. And that's how I look at it. And now this question, I want to make sure you don't feel like I'm insulting the first 15 years. Got it. But there has been... <laughs> Let's do it. They, Get they, into it. And... I'm trying to find the most diplomatic way to put this, but the simple question is, is this the show you always wanted to be making? Like, you talk about having that extra 20 minutes every week. So it's like, the whole time you were making Criminal Minds, were you thinking, if we just had resource X, Y, and Z, we Mm -hmm. could be doing so much better than we're doing? 
Um, the short answer is yes. This is absolutely the show that I wish we could have made from the beginning. Um, but I don't want to. I don't want to denigrate the hard work that so many people did for the past fifteen years. Of course. Um, when you when you're on a CBS procedural, there are certain mandates. There have to be you know good guys in white hats and bad guys in black hats. Um, and you can only go so far with a mystery of the week that you know has to have a certain number of twists and turns that doesn't bore the audience. Um, and a personal story. If you're lucky, you get maybe one. You know, one. You know, one personal beat with the team at the beginning of the episode. One personal beat at the end of the episode. Mm -hmm. um, I, I like to joke that um, serial killers is the black hole of storytelling. Like it <laughs> absorbs all the gravitational pull, um, so that no other stories can escape. You know, so so you don't have time. You know, for uh, Princess to go. You know, well, does he like me or does he like me like me? Because you know, damn it, there's a girl in a well who's being tortured. You know, get your you know get get your acting gear. Um, so, so the, what we were able to find is a, a, a storytelling template that, yes, I would love to have been able to do all along, but what really got to me and really got under my skin as we were getting ready to, to shoot was, you know, while I was on this show for, I started out on season four, so it ended season 15, so about 10 years, um, because season 14 was a back to, and 15 were back to back. So I was on the show for 10 years. And, and while I was on the show for 10 years, um, this huge shift happened in television, you know, where television got really sophisticated really fast. And all these movie actors were moving to television and all these feature directors were moving to television, all these incredible writers and playwrights, you know, who used to do features and, and Broadway productions were going to TV. And I was looking at our show and going, can this thing survive in a new world where audiences ex expect a certain amount of storytelling sophistication? And that's the thing that I feel we were able to crack this time is I think that the, it's not just elevated, it, it feels more sophisticated, it feels more complex. The character dynamics feel more lived in and not just surfacey. Um, you know, Will and JJ, which you guys, again, correctly identified as like, we really, we got to go home with them literally. We mm -hmm. never got to do that before. And to have the resources to do that, to have the, really, I'm not kidding when I say it, it really comes down to running time. To have the running time of an episode to do that is, was phenomenal. It, it, it just elevated the show. Now, that being said, there were still production problems with that. Um, Will and JJ's set, Will and JJ's house was an actual location. It was not a set. Garcia's apartment was a set. So if we wanted to go to Will and JJ's house to tell a personal story, you know, they're having trouble with their kids, we had to come up with a reason. Basically, we had to come up with eight pages of content to make a full day of production to justify going to that house. Mm. And even when you do that, it's I'm just picking a number out of the sky, but it, you know, it's a hundred grand extra because all of the trucks and all of the grips and all the dollies and all the teamsters <laughs> who have to go out to location, you know, yep. it, it, it's, 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 an ex, you know, it, 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 it's, it's crazy how much of TV producing is a math game. It, mm -hmm. it, it's, 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 a, it's an algebraic equation and you have the, you know, the, the equal sign is, are you on budget or not? You know, if, if you're mm -hmm. not on, but if you're over the budget, you're in the red, if you're below the budget, you're in the black. And, and so stories about Will and JJ that we wanted to tell just became a little harder because maybe we didn't have the budget that week because we were already over budget. You know, I, I think the the Will JJ story where um, um, their son finds out about uh, uh, the cancer, 
I think we wanted to do that in episode seven, and that was already such an expensive show. We had to push it into episode eight, which meant mm. AJ had to direct herself with her kids. Um, wow. And we're like, we, and we said to AJ, AJ Cook, who directed that episode, we said, "Are you okay with that?" She's like, "Oh my gosh, I would love to do that." Um, so, so you know, it, that's what I say when I when I look back on it, I'm like, "Oh my gosh, it all landed exactly the way that it was supposed to land." But every time, every episode was a little bit of a high wire act. As you're like, "Can we do this? Can we get away with this? Can we afford it? Can you know? Is it is it you know? Can we you know? Is is the total balance right? Are we shifting too far into the void side?" Uh, what about Rossi's PTSD? When was the last time we touched base on that? It was, it, there, there's like all this different, these different variables in the mix and you have to make sure that it's balanced. I, I would liken it to, um, you know, at the movie theaters when they have the, 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 the Coke stand and you can like put in the different flavors that you want. Mm -hmm. But if you put in all the flavors, it tastes terrible. You know, <laughs> it's like, that's, that's what, that's TV show running. There you go. It's like, yeah. it's like mixing Coke. <laughs> I did not expect you to get to a Coke analogy. So there, there you, you go. go. I know it's, and I bring it up because, and again, it's it's nothing against the first fifteen seasons. It's just so many shows have gone away and come back, and there is often this effort to, when they they can only get a fraction of the original cast, they can only get a fraction of the original creatives, but they try to make it feel as much like the original as possible. But Criminal Minds Evolution, you only went away for two years, and you came back feeling like a completely new show even though you brought back so many of the same creatives and the entire same cast. Yeah, I mean, that is, I, I'd say we had a lot of new writers um, who, who really wanted to do something different. Uh, and I, I think Erica and Chris and I really wanted to do something different. So, but, but I, I have to give the credit to Erica. She had the vision for what the streaming version of the show could be. And, and we all got on board. We, we didn't have any problem with it. And, and the cast really got on board. I mean, they loved being able to tell um, you know, stories that didn't wrap up with the bow. They, they love being able to end an episode where they're upset about something, you know, and it's going to be resolved, you know, maybe two or three episodes down the line. Um, uh, but it, it, it just, we just felt like, I think we can do this. Oh, and the other thing I have to give credit to is Paramount Plus wanted that. Paramount Plus said, we want a, a serialized story, you know, where certain mysteries of the week tie up, but the Void stories don't and the personal uh, uh, relationships don't. And we were like, fantastic because we know how to do the standalone stuff you know but 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 the, the 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 character dynamics that was a muscle that we kind of had to grow and develop ourselves um and i'm really proud that we were able to do it so i i you know the, the short answer to your question is i i don't know how we were able to um, up our game in two years but i'm just i'm grateful that we had the opportunity to do it and then you you, you touched on something about um you know you know shows come back and maybe they don't have the full cast i i think we have to you know address the elephant in the room which is that um, Matthew Gray Googler didn't come back. Mm -hmm. And I was worried about that. Googler was a huge fan favorite. I loved writing for him. Um, he was very clear with us that it just isn't the right time for me with, with my life, with my career, with all the other things I'm doing. Um, I have other obligations. We said, we get it. We love it. He said, if I can come back, I will. We said, we understand. Um, doors always open. Uh, but, but uh, you know, for a show that has lost so many of its favorites, you know, starting with Gideon, you know, continuing with uh, uh, Shamar, um, with uh, with Thomas, you know, Goobs, Goobler and and um, AJ, and I think Kirsten um, are the only ones left from mm -hmm. season one. And and to lose him, you know, would would our fans show up for it? Mm -hmm. And, you know, the answer on the internet is a, for the most part, yes. You know, there are people, I look, I checked the Reddit 
uh, you know, r slash criminal minds board to see how we're doing. <laughs> and they complain uh, and there are things that they don't, they don't that they don't like. Um, but for the most part, they seem to respect what we're doing. And while they misread, mm-hmm. uh, they they like the story that we're telling with the characters that we have, which is I, I just I can't thank the fans enough. I, this is going to sound like like I'm just, you know, patting everybody on the back. But <laughs> I, I I can't thank the people who watch this show and care about it enough because you know, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be on the air if it wasn't for a bunch of TikTok accounts. I mean, think about that. That's like crazy, <laughs> right? But, yeah. but, but that, you know, if, if, if that didn't happen, we wouldn't be here. So it just, it makes me go, I, I have to listen to the constructive criticism, whether it's from you guys or from other people. Um, one of the things that surprised me, do you mind if we talk about this for a sec? Of course. Go ahead. One of the, one of the things that surprised me is the um, internet fandom for Alves and Garcia. Mm-hmm. I, I always thought that Alves and Garcia was a, a, a kind of DOA, um, and 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 we, we we sort of felt like ending them, you know, in at, in at the end of season fifteen, going out on a date was kind of a like just like a wink and a nod, um, but we never got to see it um, until uh, episode nine last night, last week's this week's episode. Um, but but uh, people took that fans took that really seriously, so that when Garcia came back and then was interested in Tyler. Like there was a very vocal um, section of the internet that was not happy about it, and I I was really surprised. I was really I I, I always thought that Alves was a good friend who she had flirty banter with, mm-hmm. um, you, you know, love hate banter with, insulting banter with. But it's always it, it it it's 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 a fist in the velvet glove. You know, she she doesn't <laughs> really mean it, um, and, and and that he was never a serious romantic consideration for her, but for, to a lot of the fans, he was. Um, and, and after, after um, Morgan and Garcia, I was like, wow, I, I'm very surprised, I, you mm-hmm. know, because I just didn't think um, Alves would be able to compete with, I guess I never thought Alves would be able to compete with Morgan, but for a large portion of our audience, he does. Oh, and, well, yeah. yes, because Go he's ahead. a nicer guy. <laughs> just... Our opinion. Uh, our inability. <laughs> the only thing that has kept uh, us from printing out um, merchandise with the slogan uh, "Derek Morgan is toxic masculinity" is we could never <laughs> license Shamar Moore's image. So no, we're very much on Team Luke. Just to yes. make that clear. Got it. Well, that's good to know. I, and I, I, and I got that sense from uh, from uh, uh, your your podcast earlier this week. But um, but but to to just you know just to 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 remind us all like. Um, that's not Shamar's fault. That's the writing. Of course. Um, and, we and, and again, said that. A, we okay, have said that. Good. Yeah. No, um, Shamar seems but, fantastic whenever we see him in he interviews. Is. He is. He really is. And, and th- th- there's a certain portion of our audience that loves that. That that yeah. that loves the, their um, that he's toxic and that she takes it and doesn't <laughs> get bothered by it. You know that there, there's there, there's a certain fantasy to that. Um, that that our audience loves, but but there's also a, a contingent that is on the uh, I think it's called Gar- Garvez. I think Garvez. Team, Team Garvez. Yeah. Yes, that, yes. That, that's the, that's the shippers' names for those mm-hmm. two. <laughs> well, we no, it's you. interesting that you brought that up uh, because you organically moved us right into our next big question, which is, you know, uh, we've often talked about how we don't think of ourselves as fans but as academics, which is incredibly pretentious, but that's who we are fundamentally. Uh, so we have not been reading reviews of this new season. We wanted to get through the whole season before we saw, thought, saw what anyone thought of it. You obviously have. So 
how do you feel about the fan reaction big picture? Not just these small things. It's like, there have yeah. been huge changes. So what are the fans saying and how are you reacting to it? The, again, the, the, the fans seem to be really happy with what we're doing. The, the, the first wave of actual print reviews, which we never got. I mean, the, we, we, I can't remember the last time we got a print review in Entertainment Weekly or, um, you know, Variety or, you know, any, any of the trades, um, you know, uh, us or, or People Magazine. But, but, but the first wave of, of print reviews were really positive. I remember there was one review um, that said, Criminal Minds has no business being this good. And I'm like, <laughs> awesome. I'm like, mission accomplished. Um, and, and so that made me feel like, I think we're, I think we're going in the right direction here. Um, and then, and then the, 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 the fan base, uh, really seems positive for the most part. Um, we have, you know, writers, assistants and PAs that, that monitor it. Um, what, what I try to pay attention to is where did we miss the ball? Like, like, we, like, what was something that we should have said that we didn't say, you know, you can have, uh, you know, you can hate Tyler Garcia. Um, but is it interesting? Is it, are you, are, you know, are you still tuning in? Um, you know, it, it, I'd, I'd rather you watch those scenes and go, oh, I hate that they're together, than go, mm, this is boring, I'm going to watch, you know, I'm, I'd rather watch Yellowstone. Um, <laughs> so, you know, and, and, and as long as you're invested emotionally, one way or the other, um, you're going to keep watching. And, and that's our goal. That, that really is what, what we want. Um, so so there, there is still a contingent that go, um, uh, last night, I remember, uh, this week's episode, I, I remember there, there was uh, a page, you know, and it said, like, Reed would have had this solved in, you know, two episodes. And, yeah, <laughs> you know, okay, fine. But, but I, we can't control for that. We can't control for that. What's more helpful is, um, you know, in episode five, the, 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 uh, the, the senator's son, who's the biter, um, you know, we, we really, that was the episode that we wanted to turn the corner on director, uh, Deputy Director Bailey's character mm -hmm. and have him be a little bit more vulnerable. And... Uh, and this was my pitch to Jane is that he's on this dating app and he can't let anyone know that he's on the dating app. And you guys said he can't let anyone know that he's tied to a girl who was murdered, who was found on the dating app. I'm like, ah, that's a much <laughs> like cleaner, you know, uh, 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 you know, mystery, you know, through line. I should have gone mm -hmm. with that instead. You know, uh, things like that are, are where the fans um, keep us honest. Uh, yeah. that, that's what I like to pay attention to more than. Um, you know, I miss Mandy Patinkin. Like I yeah. can't, can't, I can't fix, I can't fix that. About that. I can't, yeah. Exactly. But, but, but those, when you, when you sort of separate out those fans and, and you, you read the comments about um, what are they doing? How are they doing it? You know, I don't like this character. I don't like that. For the most part, it seems very positive. Um, and I, I'm especially touched by people who are really into Tara and Rebecca. Mm -hmm. That makes me feel like, okay, we did, we're doing some good work there. Finally. Um, yeah. Yes, thank God. Um, <laughs> Joe's performance, I think, uh, Joe Mantine's performance, I think is getting much deserved accolades. Um, and it, it just seems like people like everything. They, they, they like what we're doing with Prentice. They like what we're doing, you know, with, with, with all the characters for the most part. Um, and, and they like, I think they like Zach and Keeley who play uh, 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 Sydney and Elias Boyd. Um, yeah. or Zach and Keeley who play um, uh, Elias and Sydney Boyd. Um, yeah. and, 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 you know, they, 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 they get what we're doing there um, and feel the conflict as an audience that we want them to. So, so it, 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 you, you, you have to separate out all the, all the bad elements, and, all bad reviews that you can't do anything about and go, okay, what can, what can we take and do better with? Um, which is why you guys are so helpful. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> we appreciate that. Uh, speaking of, you did such a fantastic ca uh, casting job with Elias Voigt. How, where did you find him? How did that happen? And like, what was the process when you're casting 
someone who's going to have to carry a third of the season all by himself. It, it, it was tough. It, it was a really difficult um, process. And, you know, my hat goes off to April Webster, who is our casting director on the show. Um, she cast the show from the pilot um, and then, you know, left to go work on other projects and then said, I'd really like to come back. We said, we would really love for you to come back. And, and you know, these casting directors, if you, if you pay attention, you see the same names over and over again. Mm -hmm. um, like uh, like Judd Apatow, like, you know, and The Office, like it's the same casting person. And that casting person is really good at finding those people who have that grounded comedic sensibility, right? It's the same for us. Like April does us, she does, um, she did a lot of like the JJ stuff. So she did uh, all the Star Wars and Star Treks. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, she's just been, she's been everywhere. She's done everything. Um, so we, I think the original conception was more like a guy who's pushing, who's pushing 50. I think mm. that, that was like, like we wanted uh. a dad to a teenager, you know, and he had probably been killing for a while. Like let, let's say he had had seven to eight years of killing for a while under his belt. Then he meets this woman. He goes, aha, this woman can give me credibility and make mm. me a better killer. And I will then have kids with her and she'll be the perfect um, front for me. No one will ever suspect me as the killer. And then to his surprise, he actually does fall in love with his wife and he does love his kids. Um, you know, as an example, um, I'm trying to think of somebody like an Eric Stone Street from Modern Family who mm -hmm. plays uh, one of the gay dads, you know, um, or, you know, uh, you know, you know, somebody who's just a little bit older. Yeah. So, they, so, so April put together that list, but then she said, let's think outside the box a little bit. And she's really good at that. And she put together another list of guys who were younger. And we did the math, you know, the calendar math and said, okay, if Voight, you know, got started in his early 20s and maybe got married in his mid 20s, had kids quickly. Yeah, okay, that could work. You know, he could have a teenager, you know, Holly's age, who is, I think Holly is uh, 14, I think. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, we, we could do that. And then we started to see just really interesting actors. And and Zach was on that list. And, and Zach comes from Friday Night Lights, which is like one of the all-time mm -hmm. series ever. Um, and then he was also in um, the Mike Flanagan camp on Netflix and, and shows like Midnight Mass, uh, Fall of the House of Usher, a um, couple other shows. And he understood uh, horror, suspense, what we were trying to do with this character. Erica loved the show Midnight Mass. Uh, and Zach played a very tortured character on that show. And she felt if he can do that, he can absolutely do this. So Zach really rocketed up to the top of our list. And we had a Zoom with him. We explained the character. And he said, you know, it, it reminds me a little bit of Dexter, uh, the, the, you know, the Showtime mm -hmm. show. Of, of, but, but, but I'm Dexter. Where, where, you know, I, I'm the guy who, who is the, a terrible human being, but also has to put on this facade of normalcy. And we said, mm -hmm. exactly. Um, so, you know, and then he said, where do you shoot? And we told him where we shoot. And he's like, oh, my God, that's five minutes from our house. Don't <laughs> underestimate, guys, the power of convenience <laughs> to get an actor to show up. Um, so uh, so 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 he was on and, and on board. And then we had the, the role of his wife and his girls to cast. And um, he's married to an actress, uh, Keely Sanchez, and they have played husband and wife before. And April said, could we make the offer to her? And we said, yeah, absolutely, we can. Um, and I remember on day uh, one of my episode, episode two, we were just chatting and he said, oh my gosh, Keely's so excited to, to do this. I mean, you know, it, and, and that just made me go, oh, thank goodness. Because you, you never know, you know, I'm married to a writer. We could never write together. My wife and mm -hmm. I could never, ever, ever write together. Like, <laughs> like, like, is it okay 
for, for Zach and Keely to want to do this, but of course they want to do this. They can, they can commute to work together. They can talk about it. They can practice their lines. And I think that especially when you guys watch episode 10, I, I, I would love for you to, to in your, in your, as you review the season, to talk about this, if you don't mind. But I think that Keely and, and Sydney as the wife is the secret emotional heart of that story. You know, mm-hmm. I think that because she's such a kind and decent human being, you know, a loving mom devoted to him, devoted to the wrong guy, but you can still devote it for reasons you understand, um, that she, in a way, allows the audience to go, well, if she sees something in him, there's got to be something there. She's the character that allows you to project your best hopes for Elias Voigt um, and makes you want to keep watching. Because mm-hmm. I, I just, I, 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 and of course, it's not just her, it's their dynamic, right? It's, it, they, they feel like a husband and wife because they are a husband and wife. But, but I, you know, the, the, the two of them, if we didn't get that balance right, the series would have just gone, in, the season rather, would have just gone in the toilet. Mm-hmm. But we did. We, we, we got it right because they got it right. Yeah. I had no idea they were actually married in real life. I did not look that up, but it makes perfect sense. And you're, when we do our season in review, you better believe we're going to be mentioning that relationship because... We've talked about how, like, there is so much sympathy you have and understanding of a situation. And a lot of that comes from how obviously he's trying to make it work within this good, with this good woman, with these decent kids, you know, in this nice family situation. Like, he clearly wants it so badly and he doesn't know how to make it happen. Yeah. Yep. That was always the fun of this character. That's always the tension there, you know. Well, that actually brings me to, um, we're going to move into, we have a couple of random questions about the season. Yes, let's do it. All right. Uh, And my first one was, all right, now tell me, am I reading way too much into this? So we have this fantastic scene in episode eight where he's got a problem in his marriage and he kidnaps a woman who looks exactly like his wife, which great casting and finding someone who looks uncannily like her, by the way, and casting people just crushing it there. And talks about, you know, what is the relationship? What would you do if your husband said X? So he can map it out because he doesn't have normal empathy. So he's got he's to play act these things, which raises the question. You make the point that when he moved to the East Coast to get further away from his family, he started murdering people with kids. Right. Do you, did you mean to imply, or again, am I way, reading way too much into this, that he's kidnapping people with kids so that he can get parenting tips from them before he kills them? No, <laughs> but that's a that's a fair question. Um, I I think that he kills people with kids. Well, we don't really get into why he kills people with kids, but uh, I I think that he he knows that to kill people with kids um would put the profilers onto him if he's in the same geographic area. Mm. So so I think that he is trying to distance his himself from the victimology that points back to himself. And I think that, and I remember Chris Barber, you know, really, really, Chris, Chris Barber is, um, he has the, the literal map of, of uh, you know, where the shipping containers were, where the victims would be. Um, you know, he did all of that plotting. I mean, I, I'm so grateful for him for doing that. Um, but, but he was very specific about, he, it's safe to kill um, high-risk victims, you know, prostitutes, homeless people, um, you know, people who don't go missed, you know, close by his house because those people wouldn't get uh, uh, connected back to him. But 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 people who are low risk, um, you know, pe- people who would be noticed if they went missing, he he would want to put as much distance between him and them as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's as far as as we went. But the the parenting uh, 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 victimology in in that second shipping container um, was 
there to make Rossi go, I think this guy is a parent because he's killing people who are like him, which is, but I I personally don't believe that there was any, um, uh, I always call episode eight, our vertigo, you know, like I I need you, I need you to be Grace Kelly. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is it Grace Kelly? I need you to be Grace Kelly so you can tell me what, you know, um, uh, that, um, that, that I don't think he was doing that with all the victims that we found in that second shipping container. I think it's just, yeah. Yep, that's my right. that's my take. But Chris might disagree, so ask, yep. I'll get Chris on here, and he he can answer that question. That would yeah. be fantastic. <laughs> well, uh, Sheila, I, you got I a question? A, no, it was I had a slightly different take on that, which was whenever he gets whenever he gets he has a problem with his wife or a problem with his children. That is when the urge, and he probably doesn't connect it himself, but that's when he gets the urge to go and kill a family. Or a someone wife. who's a member of a family. Yeah, someone who's a member of a family so that he can get rid of whatever angst he has with his own family and can t- treat them the way he thinks a perfect family should be treated. That's just my take at that time. I, I think that's a that's an interesting take. I, I, we We did not get into that in the writer's room, but I think that's a totally valid take. <laughs> what I do have to explain here, even though... As you say, we hate cast it. It sounds like it when people and some people do think that we do, but we love this show. We have watched it for 15 years. We've watched every single part of it, right? We have watched, you know, 350 episodes of television if you count spinoffs. Yep. That's a lot. (laughs) You can't hate. Yeah. You can't hate a show and do that much of it. So no, no. And, and that's a big part of why I wanted to write you into the show uh, because you you guys have put more time into certain episodes than I think we did writing them. <laughs> so, so for your for your your combat pay is that you're now part of the part of the, the continuity, the extended oh, yeah. universe of Criminal Minds. <laughs> yes, uh, which actually raises a question. I mean, this is just just for you, apart from the season. Did you ever watch Criminal Minds Korea? I did not. I've heard about it. It's uh, definitely but I did. What, worth what can you tell me about it? Okay. Basically, oh, someone took all of the high points for the first 12 seasons or 14, uh, no, 12 seasons, no Mr. Scratch, uh, but took all of the high points, all of the best things, and they kind of put it in a blender. So, you know the show Fargo? Yeah. Where they take their favorite Coen Brothers movies and remix them into new seasons? They did that with Criminal Minds. You know, it's a very interest and it's a very interesting show as a result because uh, the Reaper and Frank are now the same character. Oh, that's and, interesting. Yeah. And they do the Reaper in the first episode. Right. And then they bring back the Frank stuff and then the kidnapping children from Masterpiece. Right. They mm-hmm. do that once to try and manipulate the team into doing something like all of these, all of the high points. Right. That you get from the show. And I think the most charming thing was they so desperately wanted to adapt uh, Riding the Lightning right. that they uh, actually, but there's no death penalty in Korea. Right. So they actually start uh, start the episode with a title card that says, just by the way, this episode is set after a national law is passed to bring back the death penalty. Just because that's how passionate they were about <laughs> how much they loved that episode and wanted to do their version of the episode. Wow. It's like I, a whole I, show I, made by super fans. How does it look? Because oh, Korea does some really interesting stuff yeah. visually. It, um, it, it looks good. Okay. Except yeah. except that we can only see it in very... Somebody has put it up on YouTube. 
Mm -hmm. They have obviously VCR'd it or PVR'd it or whatever. And the subtitles are problematic, but it does does look wonderful. You can tell it's shot well, even though we don't have access to the best versions of it. And we keep hoping it'll come to Netflix, given how Netflix has been with Criminal Minds in the past. But no one is pushing Criminal Minds' career around the world. And, and there's only it's like it is really a show made by people who they found all of these high points of the show they absolutely adored and they're like can we make it all into one story and they did it wow so you know um shows are sometimes a format right so the office mm-hmm. is the classic one right the office was a british show then became an american show and there are there are versions of the office all over the globe yeah. uh ugly betty was another show that that started i think in um South America, Mexico? I think it was either, I think so, yeah, Mexico, and, and, and it's also gone around the, the world. I don't know what the format of Criminal Minds is, if mm-hmm. if they have, it, it, you know, if Disney has spun it off, basically, into different countries, and there's a chance that that might be an unlicensed one, which is why yes. it's hard to get. Oh. Um, and, and, and so, and so by, if, if they distribute it, they would actually, they could be opening themselves up to liability, but uh, <laughs> just as, 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 fan tribute i would like to watch it because it sounds fascinating okay that's on youtube based on oh yeah you can just search criminal minds screen on youtube based on how close it was i just assumed they had licensed the scripts but it might be maybe not it might be yeah wow oh that's that is honestly crazy i didn't even didn't occur to me for a second so back to season 16 yes (laughs) i know it's a weird side up but it is a fascinating show and i wanted to get your reaction um what are your personal high point for this, like, if, if you can say, you don't have to say one thing, but just a couple of things from the season that you're like, I am so glad we pulled that off. Um, I look at episode nine and I go, that was a, a script that I'm really proud of. And, and the reason I'm proud of it is because we started to tie all these threads that we had going for the first eight episodes together. And what's so weird is we were so in a crunch to write the last two episodes. It just, there, there were a lot of things and issues with the scheduling and, and, and things got shifted on us um, that, that Erica and Chris and I were in Chris's office just sweating. Um, and so I, I, I want to say I wrote it in under a week from, from outline to draft. Wow. And, um, and, and then when I got onto set, people were like, this is really good. And, and if you look at it um, from a story perspective, it's very simple. Like, like it's um, Rossi's chasing Voight, Tyler's chasing Rossi, the team is chasing Tyler and Rossi. Like, like mm-hmm. it, it's 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 as it's as, as straight ahead of a chase movie as we've ever done. Um, but but there's so many scenes in there that pay off what we've been planting that I it was a pleasure to write. And so it, when I say I'm proud of episode nine, I, it's not just episode nine; it's all the stuff from you know the 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 you know, meeting Tawny in episode two and her having a dog and the dog leading to a clue that you don't expect, you know, to, you know, you know, Ramona's role being tortured and why she's not going to, why she's not going to cooperate in episode nine, but Garcia, you know, introducing uh, Tyler into play, which, you know, then, you know, leads to her, you know, embarrassment, you know, you know, because Princess said, you've got to break it off. Like there are all these little threads that just came together nicely. And I remember turning to Chris and being like, am I taking all of the good scenes? And he's like, I've got plenty. Don't worry. I have plenty. <laughs> and, and he was right. Um, you know, so, so, you know, what we were able to do um, is, is just, and, and, and make it just really come together in a satisfying way. I, I, I hate to be the guy to say like, 
what am I, you know, what am I proudest of? I'm proudest of all of it, but I, I really am proud of, of a, a serialized story that we told with a degree of complexity that we've never done before. That, that's mm -hmm. what I'm, that's probably what I'm, what I'm the proudest of. Uh, and I'm just, you know, it's so weird. Like you, you, you look at these shows, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll catch an episode and I'll watch it. And it's like going into a time machine because it's not just about, you know, oh, is this episode good or bad? Or, you know, what, what stupid mistake did we make in Act 3? You know, you, you just go, oh, that was the day that AJ had a cold and mm -hmm. she had 104 fever and she had a huge chunk of dialogue and she crushed it. You know, like, like mm -hmm. I, I, I look back at that and go, oh, yeah, that, that was when, you know, su such and such happened. And, and, and I just am so like, it, it really is like watching old home movies in a way. Mm -hmm. and, and I know that I'm going to feel that way when I look back on this these 10 episodes and I'm going to be like, we, we, we took something that people had kind of said, we know what this is. We, we know what to expect. And we said, no, no, it can be this now. Um, mm -hmm. Sort of going back to what you said earlier, Dan, uh, you know, it, it yeah. was this a show you always wanted to do um, and, and to catch people by surprise with that. Um, that makes me really proud too. Well, that's, that's great to hear. Did, and now we've got to ask the corollary. Is right. there something you wish you would have done different? Now that the season's over, you've seen the final yeah. version of the last episode, yes. is there a thing or two you're like, oh, if only I had thought to do X, Y, or Z? This is, so, is going to be so boring, unfortunately. But I, <laughs> I wish, it goes back to what I said earlier about the, 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 um, the headaches of production and what you're allowed to do, what, what you can accomplish in eight days of shooting. Mm -hmm. um, I, I wish that we had taken Will and JJ's house and made that a set that we, so that we could go to it whenever we wanted. And I mm -hmm. wish we had taken Garcia's apartment, which was a set and made that a location. Um, Garcia's apartment as a set made sense in the first two episodes because we were there a lot because the whole mm -hmm. story was how she goes from this great existence that she has in her apartment to coming back to the VAU. But we, we go there a couple more times, but not as often as we needed to go there for Will and JJ. Yeah. Um, so that, that's, and that, but that's just like a, a small hiccup. Um, in terms of, you know, gosh, I, I wish we could have done this differently or, or you know, I, I, I wish we could have had, we, we have, um, we, we shot episode 10 in nine days. We had an extra day of production. Um, wow. And and it just, it just the, the calendar worked out that way. And, and we had just the budget worked out that way. And, and, and we made the case to ABC and, and, and uh, uh, by uh, Paramount, we need this. And they said, okay. Um, there's a part of me that wishes we could have had, we could have nine days for all the episodes. Um, it just would, it, it would have been great for the schedule. It would have been great for our exhausted cast and crew. Um, and and doing what we're doing in eight days is kind of, I mean, like we're a we're a bargain for yeah. what a lot of streaming shows do. You know, um, most streaming shows are ten days of production and up. Um, mm. My understanding is that Stranger Things. Um, you would get into 20 to 25 days of production for one episode. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm not comparing us to Stranger Things. I'm just saying they, they're playing in a different ballpark than we're playing in. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, would love to, I would love to just, I would always love to have more time and more money um, mm -hmm. to, to do the things that we didn't get to do. But, but you know, it's to, to, to do what we did, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy with. Um, the, I'll give you a, a good example. The... Uh, the, the, the episode where the girls are in the vents, um, mm -hmm. you know, uh, Aisha Tyler, who directed that episode, did a lot with darkness. She did a lot with yeah. being spooky. But but I think if you really go back and look at it, and I know, I know you guys watch each episode twice, I think you can start to feel like, oh, they're reusing the same sets over and over again yeah. in those vents. Like, like in, in a perfect world, we would have 
a whole set of events, you know, mm -hmm. and we would have all kinds of like crazy interconnected things. And you, you see where the girls are really trapped and struggling. Um, but that's the feature version of the show. You yeah. know, we have to do a show that's shot in eight days and has a budget that I'm not allowed to say what it is, but all I can tell you <laughs> is it's, it's low. Um, and, 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 and so we, you, you, you have to, you have to reuse, you have to reuse, you have to reduce, reuse, recycle. And, yeah. and that's what we did with the show. But I don't, I don't think you feel it as much as I feel it as the producer watching it and knowing it. Mm -hmm. Well, and that, that does raise the question because you were also shooting, you know, the network version in eight days, correct? Yes, we were. Yeah. And it's, uh, you kind of like, it seems like an insane production feat to have overcome to be like, okay, we've still got eight days. We got 20 more pages of script to do in that eight right. days. So that's like right. a feat in and of itself, because it's not like you're doing just super long dialogue scenes and burning through those pages. You were cutting away to Voight constantly. You were cutting away to new scenes constantly. And yeah, yes. I mean, attentive viewers can see a lot of those production issues. Like when you've got a school in West Virginia and for some reason, the entire faculty gets on a bus to Quantico <laughs> to meet at the example. FBI office because you yeah. don't want to have to build a set for them to go to, right? right. Like, yep. I, we can see a couple of those production things happen, but like when you talk about the the constrictions you're working under, it's really an amazing feat that you're doing a third more work in the same amount of time. Yeah. Who does that? You know, that's also one of the things that I think you probably feel a little bit going from 22 episodes to 10 episodes. Mm -hmm. in, in 22 episodes, you pick your episodes and you go, we're going to put a lot of money on this one. Season 10, the Jennifer Love Hewitt season, um, the plane crash episode, that episode was enormous. We knew, we, 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 we kind of, you know, planted all of our chips on that episode and then said, okay, in order to, in order to balance the scales of, of our budget, you know, episodes uh, eight and nine will be what's called bottle episodes. And bottle episodes are the episodes where you never leave your standing sets. Mm -hmm. um, in, 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 in other words, it's, it's like a shot in the bottle, which is where that term comes from. Um, in a 22 episode season, you have a little bit more flexibility to, to plant your flags, to go, this, this will be big, this will be small, this will be small, this will be big, you know. But in 10, you don't. In 10, they all kind of have to be, it, it's it's all, it's got, they've all got to be killer episodes. Mm -hmm. um, because, Paramount Plus will tell you that they know when people tune out, you know, they, they yeah. can tell. And so you, you, you really have to do something where we, we can't afford to let anyone uh, be like, oh, I don't like this anymore. I'm going to stop we, we, it from, from episode one to two, you know, into, and I would say three, even one, two and three are all table setting episodes. You know, we, we had to make sure all the pieces were in place so that you wanted to keep watching. And I would say from five through 10, you guys might disagree, but I actually feel like the episodes went up. I actually feel like, like, like if, if you were in for the first three, four grabs you, and then five, you know, really grabs you, and just you, you're like, crap. I guess I'm not going anywhere for the next six episodes. <laughs> um, and, and I felt like we we honored we honored that with our audience because I don't think there's a bad episode of the bunch, and mm -hmm. I've written some bad episodes, so I can say that. <laughs> Well, no, if you, I mean, you've been listening to our show, you know that we thought five was, we were amazed that like, we knew you were going to come out of the, the, out of the gate strong because you have to, to convince people to keep watching, but it just improves. Five was magnificent. Six, like doing all of the backstory in six was such an interesting choice because it's like, you've got such a propulsive high on five. Now we're moving into like, how are you going to keep this interesting for the last five? Like, how yeah. are we not going to, you're going to drop energy. How do you keep people focused? Well, there's the there's the character background. That's that's right. What people wanted to know. So yeah, no, it's it's structured very interestingly, and like you say, it's unlike anything you've done before. Yeah, 
And, and I have to give credit to um, Paramount Plus and, and, and ABC. We have really good creative executives on our show. Like, there's always that thing of like, oh, the executives, you know, they won't let us do what we want to do. Like, that's always the rap on executives. Our, our executives, they've always been smart. They've always been fans of the show. They've always been supportive. And one of the things that they said was, and, and this was before any of the episodes had aired, you know, they were giving us script notes. And, and so it's not like they were reacting to, you know, fan outcry or what about this, what about that? They, they just said, our, our compass just as readers, as fans of the show is, it would be nice to know what's motivating Boyd in episode six. We, we would really, by episode six, we just want to know what's, what is his drive? What, what, why is he like this? And we were going to save that for, um, I think, nine to 10. And, you know, look, it's, it's their, it's their paycheck. You know, they, they, yeah. they, they're, they, the only reason the lights are on is because they, they pay the bills. So we have to honor um, their, uh, their notes and their suggestions. Um, some we push back on, but most we take. And this was when we, we said, okay, let, let, let's see if we can incorporate that. And, and six was, episode six was just going to be the death penalty case, the death penalty mm-hmm. episode. Um, uh, uh, Chick, the writer, um, had a very strong sense of what she wanted that episode to be. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of, you know, great stories of people who are wrongfully accused who end up on death row. And it'd be, she, she, she thought it'd be really powerful to see the BAU, um, uh, free somebody who wasn't, uh, a, a killer instead of catching the killer. She just, she, she loved that idea. Um, it also felt like it could be a play, you know, you, you could just, you could have Aisha and, and, um, uh, uh, the death row convict whose name, uh, uh Sergio, I think. No, mm-hmm. uh. Uh, Sylvia, well, sorry. Can, she, yeah, she, Sylvia. she, she, yeah, she, she wanted to have Aisha and, and Silvio like you know in a box, you know, talking and have and, you know, and 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 we were like, great. And I'd say the episode was mostly written when we got that note, and we said, okay, let's do it. And we had to dig up everything and kind of rebreak the episode and, and figure out wow. how to balance. I know how to balance the uh, Boyd backstory scenes with this death row case and how to thread those things together, which came in the in the, in the form of. Uh, I, I believe this was a chick suggestion in, in, in the form of Maria, the victim, so that 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 him uh, being freed of this murder he didn't commit was was actually a murder that Boyd witnessed. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that's when you when you're in the writer's room and somebody else comes up with that idea, you just go, <laughs> oh, my God, I'm in a room with the smartest people ever. You really do. You just go, oh, <laughs> these people are brilliant. Um, and, and, and that's, you know, it, it just it just makes you go, OK. And, and, and that's one of those things that, again, you just go. It wasn't supposed to work out like this, but it did. It still worked yeah. out. No, so. it was it was a great episode. I mean, it, and mm-hmm. and I, I mean, if I was looking back on it now, it is probably the perfect place for it. Yeah, because I agree. it does help you going forward to understand that Voight had a motivation, like that he had this horrible backstory. Um, not that we're going to forgive him, as we have already <laughs> said. Yeah, but at least. And uh, yeah, it made, I think it did make seven, eight, nine. We haven't seen 10. So better, <laughs> better as so, you know, somebody's, yeah, so, sometimes those executives know what they're doing. They do. They really do. Oh, okay. Uh, now a completely random question. Yeah. How much do you guys love Manhunter? <laughs> the movie, the Michael, yeah, the Michael the Mann movie. movie. The Michael Mann movie. Uh, it comes up a lot. Um, but all of those tech, all, all of those classics come up all the time. Um, Manhunter, Silence of Lambs, Seven, um, even lesser known ones like Copycat. Mm. Uh, oh, copycat. You, you know, yeah, you know, they, they, they all come up. We, we've, we've ripped off, we've ripped them all off. Um, you know, it, it, it's now almost like shorthand. You know what I mean? It, mm. it's, it, it's like blah, 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 because Hannibal Lecter, you know, 
uh, uh, treated somebody who, you know, knew Buffalo Bill, you know, you, you know, yeah. like, like it, 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 it becomes that, like, we don't have to explain what act three is. We just, um, it, it's going to be like, like that part in that thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I think Manhunter, there, there are things about Manhunter that have aged amazingly well. Um, Brian Cox's performance as Hannibal Lecter yeah. has aged amazingly well. Um, there are things that haven't aged well. Uh, William Peterson in short shorts. I don't need to see that. It made sense <laughs> in 1986. It doesn't make sense now. Um, but you know, it, it, it's interesting. Um, you know, what I love are what you guys do, which is this is my take on you know on on this uh, on, on this exchange. I recently read a a theory on Silence of the Lambs that Clarice's admission uh, about the screaming lambs was a screen memory meaning a, a, a memory that she put up because she couldn't admit the truth of her own abuse at the hands of her uncle who was taking mm -hmm. care of her. And so the screams of the lambs were actually her own screams as her uncle abused her. And I'm like, that's interesting. I don't necessarily agree with that, but I understand the interpretation of that. And Dan, you said about Mr. Scratch that uh, Mr. Scratch had been abused, had clearly been abused by his father. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I didn't write it that way. But then I went, but that doesn't matter. My intention in the writing doesn't matter. What matters is your interpretation of it. And when I look mm -hmm. at it, I'm like, well, that's a, that's a completely valid interpretation. That, that makes yeah. perfect sense. Um, and so that's the stuff that I love to get into um, as, you know, as, as we're talking about this. And another, another thing was um, when you guys were talking about episode nine, uh, that, that Rossi couldn't be there when Crystal died. Um, that's not what I meant, but I understand how you could see it that way. What oh. I meant was Rossi couldn't be there and watch the, um, casket go into the ground. That, that's what Rossi. Oh. That's what Rossi couldn't watch. We and, totally and misread that line. And, and and that comes from a very personal place because my dad passed um, uh, in October of twenty twenty one, and um, and my mom couldn't watch it. She she was mm. there. She she was present. She she was supportive. But but when that casket started to descend, she she said, "I need to go to the car." We said, "Okay," and 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 my brother and I joined her. And and something about that. Um, look, I'm always going to mind my own history for <laughs> my, my own trauma for it, but enough. Everyone does. But, 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 but that, that's what I, that's what I meant with that, with that statement. But, but you, you, sometimes there's vagueness or intention that doesn't quite come through and, and you have to pay attention to that stuff Yeah. and, and, and be, and let the fans have their take, you know, let mm -hmm. everybody, ha everybody gets to have their own take. But yeah. wasn't, okay. Okay. Now that we're discussing this. Okay. Maybe I don't remember it. Like, I understood that he couldn't watch the coffin go into the ground. Yeah. But I thought he said, I couldn't be there when she, I couldn't be there when she died. That was yeah. afterwards. Now, right. I'm going to have to go back and watch it. We might have to check the tape on that <laughs> We're one. We're going to have to check the tape because I thought that there were two issues. He couldn't yeah. watch it go into the ground. But there oh, yeah. was also that he wasn't there when, there she, when died. she died. Yeah. Right. And it's possible both lines were supposed to refer yeah. to the same thing. And yep. we just misread it. Or, uh, well, or it was phrased well, unclearly or, or who knows. Or, or, or it wasn't, maybe it wasn't written as clear <laughs> as it should have <laughs> well, been. It, but, it, it's, yeah, well, yeah. Okay. What wasn't clear is that so, you're intending it, so, for him to, to, to not accept that she was dead until she was in the ground. That's yeah. what you intended. So, so, the, the, the line that's confusing, he goes, I couldn't watch them put the coffin in the ground. I couldn't watch them, watch them close her up like that. Um, uh, do you think she'll forgive me? Princess says, of course. And then Rossi says, I couldn't be there in those last moments. I couldn't do it. 
And then Princess said, all Crystal okay. wants is for you to forgive yourself, which I which I could see from your point, guys's point of view, why yeah. you would think, oh, he, was he wasn't there when she died because because of the word words, those last moments. Yep. Yes. Um, that's what it was. And and so because, again, that, that's that's valid. That's totally valid. Yeah. And I will tell you that when my mother my mother died from Alzheimer's, mm. my one sister was there. I was going back home to get Dan, and she died before we got back. So oh. that that would be our personal take on it of take not being her. there when she died. Yeah. Sure. yeah, and it could be coming from. I mean, our interpretation is it's entirely a fair reading of our criticism yeah. that it's coming from a personal place. But I mean, that's what art's supposed to do. It's supposed to trigger the stuff in you. Absolutely. All right. Now the big question. How great is it working with Josh Stewart? <laughs> Josh Stewart is in demand. We are uh, sharing him with an Apple TV Plus show and I believe another Taylor Sheridan show. I think he just got cast on that. Um, oh. So uh, let's just say the world is catching up to how great Josh Stewart is. Um, Finally. Uh, he he and AJ, of course, get along great. Uh, they were in that movie uh, together, Back Fork, I think was yep. the name of the movie. Yeah, we covered yeah. it on the show. Yeah. Yep. Josh is an untapped resource on this show. Um, and it's because we, we couldn't tell the stories of what going home with JJ and Will the way we could now. And, mm -hmm. and just to see their love, their genuine affection for each other, yeah. um, it, it just it, it makes all the it, it brings a different dimensionality not just to Will, but it brings up a different dimensionality to JJ, you know? Yeah. And, and it, 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 I think that because of the way that Josh was written into the series as AJ's pregnant in real life, and we have to write that into the show, like, <laughs> you know, we, we backed into so many stories, you know, just because our hand was forced, but, you know, we ended up with a great actor. And, yeah. and so you can count all, everyone on the Criminal Mind show as Josh Stewart fan. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, people uh, like uh, uh, it's funny. Like it's this weird situation where Josh Stewart is literally one of my favorite actors, and it's entirely because of how he elevates stuff every time on, he's on Criminal Minds. Like he's yeah. so natural, and it's like there's so much emotion that he manages to get in those looks, yeah. and we're just constantly blown away by how expressive he is. But without it feeling ever feeling like a performance, like. I'm glad he's getting a ton of work because the man is magical on screen. So, yeah, he is, and is he's also, fantastic. he's a genuinely nice guy. I mean, just, just <laughs> you know, we were out there, uh, episode nine, the, the you know, the, you know, uh, searching for Tyler. Um, you know, he was there and, you know, he and AJ and uh, Adam and Kirsten, I mean, it was like, it was two in the morning. It was, we were at this place called Disney Ranch, which is uh, just in, in the desert part of Los Angeles. So it was cold and they were just like, just like, drinking hot chocolate and just couldn't be happier to be out there. So um, I, I'm so grateful whenever a cast like we have is, is willing to do that. And, and they all are. So it's, he, he, and he's, he's, he's a part of the family. That's the best way I can put it. He is a part of the family. That is fantastic to hear, which let's now let's ask the big thing, which is, I know you can't offer us any spoilers. Episode 10 hasn't even aired yet, but yes. Why should people be super excited about season 17? And have you started work on the outline of what season 17 is? We have. Um, the, the writer's room started um, pretty soon after the new year. I think January 6th was when we started. Um, mm -hmm. I can't say a lot um, because obviously the, I, I can't spoil anything. But also everything is still very much in its embryonic stage. You know, right. so, um, you know, based on how much shifted 
between the writing and production of last season, I predict the same thing will happen this season. So I, I can't say this is going to happen, that's going to happen. Um, so what I would like to say is the structure that worked for us in season 16 um, is something that we want to continue to do in season 17. Mm-hmm. We want to continue to have a serialized story and serialized personal relationships that are, that are messy and don't fit neatly in one episode, um, but there will still be a mystery of the week component to it that will wrap up at the end of the episode. Um, so they might make an arrest, but the storyline continues. Um, and, and I know that that, and I know that that might sound academic, but for us, it, it just feels like, man, we hit on this vein of gold, and we just want to keep doing that. You know, we we just want to keep making things weird and upsetting and uncomfortable and uh, you know and 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 awkward for our team um, because it, it, it you know when you look at Paget with her you know comedy background and you know Adam with you know all the stuff that he's done and and, and Joe who is you know one of the best actors of all time um, and and I just, I can go down the list but I won't just in the interest of time but you just go we're sitting on you know a a a a, a World Series winning team of actors who are dying they're all dying to play these different sides mm-hmm. of themselves that they weren't able to because they had to hit their mark and, and deliver the profile and you know yeah. the, the the profiles i i love the profile the reason we lasted for 15 years 16 years is because of the profile but i don't think it's a spoiler to say that the profiles from a shooting perspective the profiles are very dry you know like mm-hmm. you got to you have to you have to stand there you have to memorize basically stereo instructions and you have to <laughs> and you have to make these stereo instructions sound like they're the most important stereo instructions ever because they catch a killer but but what you don't get to do is 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 laugh and you don't get to see you know princess doing like a silent movie actress uh uh performance when garcia is saying i kiss tyler green you know if you go back and look at that like you know you you, you, you we never got to do that and now we can um yeah. so we want to do we want to do more of those moments um with our cast uh and hopefully with our bad guys too i, I think that wow. we we're, we're, we're that's that that is the plan is is to find more of that uh type of stuff for our bad guys that we that we had with Voight and his family all right that sounds very interesting and are now do you see yourself ever and this might never happen because it's you did 300 episodes in the original show yeah and in that time you had two comedy episodes the entire time wait saturday what was the other one what was the one besides Saturday? The the one that Adam Rodriguez directed. Where everyone Wait, had been fired. Season 13, oh everyone God. had been fired. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the thing is, it's like, at the same time, it's one of your, like, an incredibly bleak episode because it's a trial run for the Jaws character where there's yeah. this rich kid who's doing these brutal slangs of uh, of women to recreate this, de- this God, what, was he related to or something? Uh, horrific who had died in an overdose. Like, the, <laughs> that half of the story is bleak as hell. But on the other side, you're just constantly doing comedy vignettes the whole time. And is that something you could ever see yourself trying again? Just trying to do something that throws out the genre and say, we're going to do, we're going to just have fun this week. I think it's tough. I, 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 I think that what we're going to try to do is more a balance of the comedy with the scary. Because mm-hmm. there's power in those total shifts. There's power editorially, um, mm-hmm. and then there, there's power with, um, you know, the, the unexpected happening. Yeah. It, I think that to do a, 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 and we talked about in the writers' room, like to do a version where the documentary crew follows the BAU around office style. 
yeah. I just feel like it would be fun for us and fun for the cast, but maybe not fun for the audience. You know, yeah. it, 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 it's it's so tricky because you have to go, how far is too far? At what point does the audience go, like, like I said earlier about, this is the show that's safe to watch with your teenagers. At what point does the audience go, this isn't what I want to see. It's, this yeah. is just fundamentally what I don't want to see from this show. Um, mm -hmm. I, I do think that we might try more stylized experiment, experiments with um, point of view, with flashbacks. Uh, you know, Doug Arnikoski directed episode nine and those black and white vignettes are so amazing. Yeah. I want to do Perfect. more stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and, and even though it's easier to do black and white with a digital camera than with a film camera, because with a film camera, you have to have black and white stock with a digital camera. It's just like you flip a switch, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you, you but you still you have to light for it a certain way. You know, you, 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 you have to you have to your your um, the wardrobe, the set design. It, it all has to be completely thought of for what the mm -hmm. black and white could be. I would like to try to do more stuff like that. Um, I did one flat out comedy script as an experiment and I gave it to Messer and she's like, it doesn't work. And, oh. and, and, and she was right. She was absolutely right. So, so I, I would love more like experimental stuff, but not, but, but only to push the envelope, not break it. That's the best yeah. way I can put it. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Because as you say, when do you cross over from we're making the show for the audience and we're making the show for ourselves. And those yeah. are two very, very different impulses. And I'm not saying there's not a place for both, but you've very much been making this show for the audience for 16 years now. So to suddenly yeah. swap that and make something self-indulgent, okay, I see where that could be an issue. And Definitely. you have something like Hannibal where it's like, no, I was just Brian Fuller doing something for Brian Fuller, you know? <laughs> but, but he could make it work on that show because that show well, was could. so operatic. It right? is. Yeah, that they, yeah. they could get away with it in a way that I think we can't. Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. Although, I mean, even he, because let's face it, it is operatic. If if he had his way, I'm sure that everything would be sung in that show. Like, I'm sure it would all just be sung and there would be no dialogue and there would just be music and visuals. And that was it. Yeah. And we would be bored to tears. <laughs> oh, that's the thing. Yeah, <laughs> it, it might happen that way. All right. So I want to wrap things up with a quick... Is there anything you would like to ask us? Any, you know, anything you're curious about? Uh, I, I'm trying. What in in the in the network run? What is your favorite episode? That's really me? Tough. That's easy for me. Riding the riding the yeah, lightning. Hers is riding riding the lightning. lightning. I, I I still go back to that episode, and I ball my eyes out every single solitary time. And it's a beautiful hour. Yeah. Yeah. That's a Simon Mirren special. Yeah, oh, it's, well, It's yes. magnificent. Yeah. I didn't like it the first time I watched it. And when we watched it again for the podcast, I'm like, oh, damn, I was wrong about this one. This yeah. is just so powerful. Um, personally, I know it's probably something you hear a lot, but um, uh, Mosley Lane. Yeah. I just, yeah. I'm obsessed with that episode. I think it's so beautifully done. Like the music, the performances, the the horror of them all all the kids getting dragged away to the incinerator because she's a witch. I mean, oh, you know, Bud Court hanging himself in the bathroom. Like, how do you get this thing on television? Yeah. It's one of those ones where you watch it and it's just like you can't take your eyes off the screen for a second, you know? Can I tell you one detail about that episode that just gets me every time? Mm -hmm. There's an act out where Beth Grant, who plays Bud Court's wife, Beth Grant, she's a great character actress. She's been in everything. Yeah. I mean, she's just she she's she's amazing. Um and she she has a little girl and she she says she sit right here and she like pats pats you know the chair next to her 
and the girl sits and the girl looks up and, and Beth looks down and Beth blinks slowly. And we said to Matthew Gray Goobler, who directed that episode, like that was such a great little note where you went to slow motion as she blinks. And Matthew said, that's not slow motion. I was like, what? He's like, that's not, that, that's just, that's just what she did. Like she brought that choice um, to that episode. Uh, and and it's it just, if you go back and watch it again and watch for that, you, you'll be like, wow, that is creepy. You know, I mean, yeah. that, that, that was the perfect blend of script from Erica directing and cast that just just was perfect just mm. was a perfect another perfect hour of television just like riding the lightning yeah and uh i'm sure in the future we're gonna have all sorts of nice things to say about pleasure is my business but, uh, <laughs> we don't want to embarrass you here so you uh, know. Uh, well i'll just ask have you listened to our podcast on pleasure is my business that one okay i gotta be honest guys i have to <laughs> I had to ration how much I could listen without killing myself. So I, I, if you recommend it, I will go back to it. Yeah. Um, I like that episode. I, I especially like uh, Brianna Brown, who played uh, the, the, the uh, high-priced call girl. Um, she was quite, she was a fine. It, it took a long time for us. It, it was very difficult. It was a very difficult part to cast. And I, I mentioned this in another interview, but, but she came in from a commercial shoot. She, she'd just been shooting a commercial. Um, she hadn't had time to read the sides and she read them cold. And it's the scene where she's sitting with the um, the victim whose wife just died. And mm. he's he's going out, putting himself out there for the first time. Yeah. And, and she has to learn that through him, as he's blathering, that the FBI is hunting for a, a hunting for her, basically. And mm. you can see her read, read it and then look up, read it and look up. And, and, and her her performance, the dawning realization was was cold but it was also sincere you know what i mean like yeah. like she brought exactly the right grace to that scene and it was I, i've never seen an actor i mean i've seen it since then but that time i've never seen an actor just knock it out of the park right there as we in, in the casting room the um, first time they read it yeah well yeah, the first time they read wow. it they read it cold that's, that's the amazing. best part yeah that is amazing um, yeah, let's talk just, about go ahead you go no 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 i was going i was just well what i was going to say there's just one basic question that we have. We will leave it for later. Till we're but talking about our, it later. Yes, yeah. we will talk. I, I would like to talk about that because that is one of the episodes where we did really like it. And then all of a sudden it was no, right? Like we had There's no problem. There is one part tell we me. bounced off of. Okay, yeah. but tell me, what is it? What, what is that oh. part? Well, we think that, ev I mean, quite simply, and you'll hear it when we talk about it, yeah. every single bit of her motivation and her character makes 100% sense if her dad molested her her whole childhood, uh -huh. but that's not in the episode. And we just thought, like, that's the one thing to push it over into, I know exactly who she is, I know exactly why she's doing all of the things she's doing. Right. But, I mean, right. given our history with researching child sexual abuse, you understand why we would think that. Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, and, to, and, the and, fact that you and, actually put it into episode five this season, where it's yeah. like, you don't, you can't come out and say it. I know it's a TV show, right. but that senator has been molesting her son his whole life. And it's clear when you watch it, but. Yeah. yeah. I, I think in the Paramount Plus version of the show, we could say it in episode five if we wanted mm -hmm. to. We actually thought it was more interesting to imply it okay. than to have it be a part of the profile. Um, mm. you know, certainly Oedipal was, was in the profile. Oh, um, <laughs> it was but, in the title. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but, but it, it just felt like, I don't know. It, it just felt like there are times where you want the audience to draw their own conclusions. That was one right. of them. 
Um, the the punch with my best. I also have to go back to the script and, and look at it because I, I I have a feeling that might have been in an earlier draft and we took it out possibly because we were already in a very sexualized world mm. and to curdle it uh, just felt like a, a, a beat too far. Although when I look back on it, I'm like why 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 wouldn't we do that for that reason? Um, I, I will check out the podcast again. That's a fair criticism. Right, and we will have to ask something that we've we've joked about since she first. We love Aisha on the show, and it's something we've joked about since we, she was first on the show. And was there ever an intention that she was supposed to be one of these functional psychopaths, or is that something we were just reading into it? No, that no. I told I I told Aisha that you guys say that about her, and she said, "Well, you write me that way, fool." And I'm like, <laughs> and, and that's, which is which is how Aisha talks. That's how Aisha talks. I'm not. I, that's how she talks um, okay. and she's right so yeah. where we got into trouble with her was yeah. there was a series of back-to-back episodes um where we're like how do we end this one um we, we have to take the shot and i i'm i, I always am careful about those i i hate to, i hate to do those because it sort of feels like we failed in a way like like mm-hmm. the whole point is we profiled you we can talk you out of it or we can trick you out of it or we can use your profile yeah. against you to, de- to defuse the situation whenever we have to take the shot then it just feels like a csi or an ncis or whatever yeah um but i think we had two back-to-back episodes or maybe there was one episode in between where she's the one who pulls the trigger and there was one where she says i think she says like tell me about your mother and the guy goes my mother let me tell you about my mother and he opens himself up and she takes a shot and even yeah. even morgan's like god damn morgan's like whoa yeah. <laughs> and and that that was the one where I'm like, oh, that was that was the, that was the mistake it? that we made. Well, you can um, read our script. You can listen to our podcast. We're like, the 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 implication <laughs> is that she's some kind of a monster because then, yeah. like, as you say, like the next episode, she shoots the insomniac guy in the back of the head when there's no need to. Oh, that's right. That's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's no reason it's to in shoot his, this guy in his back. That's right. Yeah. 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 I forgot. I forgot. Oh, yeah. see that—that's what I'm saying. It—it—it it, it, it was the back. It was the the fact that those episodes were so close together, and that it was really, her. That's what created that impression. Yeah. 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 I I I feel that we have done a lot of good work with Aisha's character this season. Um, oh, yeah. oh. And, and I'm I'm very I I feel like this is the character that she was always meant to be. That's that's all I'll say. Okay. All right. Um. Obviously, because you actually had the the functional psychopath on the show one time in Outfoxed. Like yes. the real guy was on the show, so that's why I put it in our heads that it might have been swirling around your head with her character. But no, I totally no. get what you were saying. Yeah. Nope. Nope. It was just, just an accident. Just, just an us accident. reading into it. All right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, if there's one thing that you've already talked about how this happened, but I just think we want to take a second and just compliment you for using the extra time so well and doing so much with the characters this season. Like, just finding true things to do with every character in every episode and actually dealing with a lot of David's stuff, you know? Because David is a guy who, like, when you find something for Joe Montaigne to do, there's nobody better on television. But so so many of the episodes, he's just, he's there to read a couple of lines, and you're like, why is Joe Montaigne there? But then you did the whole arc with his daughter in the show, and you're like, this is why you get Joe Montaigne on your show, because he can deliver like nobody else. And... He's been able to do it all year. I, I, I can't say enough about Joe. I mean, I, I know there are people who miss Mandy. Um, I literally miss Mandy. I never had to write for him. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, he he's very talented. Mandy Pitkin is very talented actor. Yeah. Um, but to write for Joe is 
to write for just a, a guy who will take your words and make them musical, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, there, there, there is a, 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 a rhythm of, of a, an inner life that he brings to the performance that is just unmatched, you know, I, and, and it just comes from, you know, his years in Chicago theater and, yeah. uh, and, and Broadway, um, and, you know, and, and so many just classic movies in between. Um, and, and so you, you, you just go, let's do more of that. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, no, but everyone is getting the time, right? Everyone is getting the time to actually explore this stuff this year. And yeah. it's, you've, as you say, you've never had the time before and that's what made it feel so different. And okay, two quick questions. Yeah. And then, then, then I'm out. And I'm not going to take any more of your time. I know you're a busy man, but I do have two questions and you're probably not going to be able to answer one of them. But what I've, what I've always wondered is, and if you don't know this because you weren't there, that's fine. Okay. The episode when, when Joe Montana first came on the show, there's a mini arc about the case he could never solve. And it's introduced that a family was hacked to death with an axe on Christmas Eve. But then because of the writer's strike in season three, they didn't do any episodes over Christmas. And so they came back and he's like, uh, yeah, it was actually in February. And mm. they just hadn't got, and then they change it. And it's a, it's a killer clown who did it. Yeah, I remember. And my question is, was that supposed to be a killer Santa episode? Oh, I don't know that. That's a question for Embranero because that 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 was that arc was Ed's baby. Um, oh, okay. I, I if I can reach out to Ed and ask him that question, I, I will. That's a really good question. If I had to guess, probably. Um, yeah. But uh, but I don't know the answer. Okay. Erica was there. I'll, I'll ask Erica. I'll, I'll see if Erica has okay. the answer. Hopefully, fingers crossed, she knows. And um, my other question is, and maybe you remember this one. You remember the episode uh, Reckoner? Yes. Season five. Okay. That episode, uh, Vincent Gustafero was on it. Okay. And I assume he was there because Joe Montana, you know, had you guys mm. hire him. Right. And, <laughs> what was the, oh, wait, what was the plot for Reckoner? Just can you refresh my memory? Uh, that's the one where there's the, there's the hitman and there, uh, who is oh. assassinating people who are related to children who have hurt children. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And got they go back to Rossi's hometown and Vincent Gustafero is the cop. And right. It's it's amazing because every time they're on screen together, oh. like Joe Montana can't stop breaking character and smiling because he's <laughs> on a TV show. I was just wondering if you remembered that happening at all. I that I didn't write that episode, so I wasn't covering okay. set. Um, I, I, I I'm sure that is the case. In, in addition to that, you know, Joe really pushed for his friend Meshach Taylor to be on the show, um, and he played the the homeless vet who was uh, uh, Rossi's long lost Marine buddy. Um, whenever we can get a friend, um, on the show, it, it always makes the cast happy. Um, yeah. so much of the day happens after cut and before the next action, you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, it's, it's just hanging out and just talking and, you know, being grumpy that they don't have the right oatmeal, you know, at craft services. And I'm talking about me, <laughs> by the way, uh, you know, and, and just, you know, whatever that thing is. But so, so when you have a, a friend who you can just sit and talk with and catch up with and be like, oh my gosh, what's been going on? It just makes the day go, go by that much, that much smoother. And I'm sure that was the case there. Uh, I know that was the case with me, Shaq. Um, you know, it was the case, uh, uh, Paget asked for years um, for us to bring Paul F. Tompkins on the show because that's a friend of hers and he was in the yeah. episode Saturday um, yeah. and they had delightful scenes. That's how we got Aubrey on the show. You know, M Matthew yeah. uh, was in uh, a movie called Life After Beth with Aubrey Plaza. 
And, oh. you know, uh, he, he was telling her about the show that he was on it. And she said, I want to be on, but I want to I be a killer. And he brought that to me. I was like, I was like, I think we can use that. I think I know how could we say that. no to that? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and and so you know, I, I, I you know, I, I look at those three episodes and what we got to do with her, and, and just like I'm like, I'm very happy that we did that. So it, we, whenever whenever a cast member says cast this person, um, especially for if it's for a specific part, we always take that under very um, sincere advisement because it, we we have a, a good sense. That uh, look, the cast knows the show, so they they know yeah. what will raise the level of the show and what will raise the level of their game too. That's fantastic to hear, and uh, yeah, there's a lot of fantastic. I mean, every the the amount of like genre stalwarts you got. You had Jeffrey Combs on an episode. Like, yeah, that one was me. That one was me. That one was you. Yeah, that was Fred Durf. Fred Durf, my Fred favorite. Durf. That was that was a genuine episode. He was. So good. He was so oh it's my second. We'll never thing. we'll never stop yeah, having good things to say about Brad Dourif, but that episode was it was magical. Yeah. Like him, that yeah. episode is just magic. I mean, it's it's up there for me with Mosley Lane. It's just like yeah. I can't believe they got away with doing this on television, you know? That's uh that's Googler. I mean Janine wrote Janine wanted to write one for Goobs and mm -hmm. and and she knew sort of what his eclectic tastes were. And yeah. um, when, when she gave him the script, he's like, I know what to do with this. I, I know exactly how to, how to nail this. I, 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 I don't know if he came to the table with Brad Dourif, but Brad Dourif's name was up was in the mix early and just chilling, but also there's so much pathos there at the end. Yeah. You know, when, when, oh. when Thomas turns and just all those, seeing all those- dolls are there. Dolls, oh. Oh, I know. Yeah. It's just so powerful. Oh. No, it's, it's amazing. And I'm sure we're gonna talk to you more about the Black Queen later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, any final thoughts about the season you want to share with people? Um, thank you for watching. Uh, thank you for being fans. Thank you for keeping us honest. Uh, and and honestly, uh, it's just to bring it back to what I said at the beginning. Uh, you know, th thank you for noticing that we're aiming for something higher, um, and and appreciating that. Uh, that that's that's what I was hoping people and fans would 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 take from this season and and to get validated just on that level. Not perfect, but to get validated on that level is, is it's why we do this. You know, it, it's why we get up in the morning and, and keep hacking away at it. So thank you for that. All right. So we're going to wrap it up there. As usual, I'm going to say if you have any questions, if you have any comments, if there's any behind the scenes tips you want to send us, join us at uh, profilingcriminalminds at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you are listening to this on an app or a podcatcher, please rate and review it. That's how people find the show. We'll see you back here on Friday for the grand finale of season one. And before we go, I just want to thank Breen Fraser again for coming and doing with, uh, this with us. Just getting some of these questions answered is, is a dream come true. Obviously, being on the show, bigger dream come true. But answers <laughs> to the questions, oh my God, thank you so much one more time. Just wait till you meet Sheila and Dan when we write them into the show. Then you guys... <laughs> <laughs> Then you, then oh. you, then you will. Oh no! Me. What did you do oh, to us? What, what have we gotten ourselves into? But this, oh. uh, it has been so much fun all along. Every time I've been frustrated, but I've kept. We've just, we've always kept going, and it, it has been such a pleasure watching this season. It, it really is. I'm so excited for season 17 already. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. All right. Uh, so we'll see you back here for the next episode. But until then, au revoir. And have a good week. Profiling Criminal Minds is a member of the Kinks 
Podcasting Network.